Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. His name is H. Wu Lee. H. Wu is a rising food content creator, wedding planner, and founder of his underground fine dining supper club, Maru Los Angeles. He graduated from the University of Southern California in May 2019 and currently works for celebrity wedding planner Kevin Lee. In the summer of 2017, H. Wu taught himself how to cook, and this passion has only escalated ever since. In 2019, he officially founded Maru Los Angeles, which focused on Korean Italian fine dining and the social experience of dining. In December 2020, H. Wu began food content creation on TikTok, to which he has amassed over 468,000 followers. H. Wu, welcome to the show. Well, thank you guys for having me. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm excited. Uh, I would like to just thank you guys again for reaching out. Um, I noticed what you guys were doing before, and I was like, I really enjoy, um, and I guess honored to be part of a community that, you know, wants to promote the similar values to what I believe in, as well as experience growing up being mm-hmm. an Asian American. Um, and trying to work your way definitely through life so. awesome we want to start by saying that we're a huge fan of your video and content so when there was an opportunity to connect with you we're like there's no way we will not not connect with you so we reached out and you responded we're like oh, that's awesome dude but let's hop right into it like tell us a little bit more about yourself would you grow up what was your upbringing like i grew up in house verdes in southern california i was raised in a fairly, I, I guess, well-off family. My dad was doing pretty well during uh, my early childhood. And then, um, you know, academics was always the focus, always trying to, my mom would always tell me, I hope you can be a heart surgeon one day. I really <laughs> hope. And I mean, that stuck with me until midway through college when I switched majors. But um, so, Academics was always a focus and my family, um, it was a good, uh, it was a good family dynamic up until the third grade when my parents divorced. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's when our family started doing not so well financially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I guess to say I've experienced both being, you know, growing up in a somewhat well off family to having to worry about when I'm going to pay next month's rent. Um, So it's quite a drastic, it's such an interesting way when you think about your personal finances, as well as what you can and can't afford because you had one side of the spectrum and now you're on the other side. Um, That's so relatable, especially for us right now. You know, we had jobs a year ago and we quit and now we're just kind of broke. (laughs) Just kidding. But yeah, I can totally understand, man. Thanks for, for sharing that part. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like your mom wanted you to be a heart surgeon. Um, were your parents like kind of like tiger parents and they, they like absolutely wanted you to go through like one trajectory or were they pretty much like very laid back and kind of allowed you to discover what you wanted to do? Ironically, they were very laid back, mm-hmm. but there's the subtle expectation that we would do well in school or else, you know, it's like do well in school or else. And we would never, thankfully I never found out what or else meant. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, whenever we, whenever I just didn't really have any direction and what I wanted to do, my mom was always there to go to that tutoring center and ask, you know, the tutors, what should my son do or how should he apply for colleges? Um, because I didn't know, oh, can I cuss on this? I don't really know. Yeah, sure. You can so, <laughs> be yourself. I mean, I, I, I didn't know jack shit about what I wanted to do. I mean, uh-huh. when I was younger and it wasn't my, my mother's intention, I just always thought try to be a good person, be do very well in school and go be a heart surgeon. Those are like kind of the three main things you do sports on the side because you're in America mm-hmm. and every kid has to do a sport. Uh-huh. But other than that, um, I always was like a soldier just 
go to school, do your work, get good grades, go to Taekwondo practice, because that was the one sport I chose and as an American growing up. Um, but uh, I, I think that my parents were really, say this, they were laid back whenever I made decisions, like I, this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and especially in college and now, whenever I tell them they're very supportive. Um, and that's what's to me the most important at yeah. the end of the day. That's awesome. They might put on this front of like, go be a doctor, but all they really want is for their kids to be happy. So. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good point too. I think it's a point that we bring up pretty often throughout the podcast. It's like when Asian parents, they have uh, this idea and image that they want you to be a doctor because that's their way of thinking that you'd be happy, you know? Until you show them what's possible, they're like your number one fan, pretty much. Yeah. And just watching your videos too, like you seem very attention to detail. So I can see where their confidence even comes from, you know, like just the way you edit your videos and their content that you put out. It's like, we're just looking at each other like, how long does it take him to do this? <laughs> you know, that's what, even before we met you, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So I'm echoing off of Brian, like we're, we'll definitely talk about your TikTok experience and your growth on that platform in a little bit. But like the first time that we found you on TikTok, and that's how we actually knew about you, H.U., is through your TikTok. And we were just so in awe over your videos, just like mm -hmm. the details and every single little thing about your videos, like the way that you cut your ingredients. It's just so amazing that you just have to watch for yourself to see the greatness of it. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll definitely talk about your TikTok experience. But let's talk a little bit more right now. We yeah. want to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> so we each discover your TikToks on, a di on our phones differently, but we didn't know, like, we both discovered you around the same time. You were pretty much showing up on everyone's for you page yeah much. and then i don't know there's, there's every time your, your video came out i noticed that maggie stops on her stops, like she stops what she's doing and she like watches it intently i mean right? i'm just like what is going on so much going on in the video that <laughs> if i blink for one second i will like miss a single cut and she's like <laughs> And like, if I get distracted, I'll be like, I have to watch it again. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. At first I'm like, who's distracting? Are you texting in there, dude? So I like looked at their video. I'm like, oh, he's a pretty good looking guy. You know, honestly, I got to put it to him. He's good looking. You know, his videos are great. It's nothing to be jealous about. You know, he's better. He's better than me. I, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> and to all the listeners, if you like see H2's videos, you can see all the comments that are on mm, his videos girls. and they're all like oh my goodness i would love a man who can cook i would love to marry you by the way <laughs> and they talk there's like, no filter with the the audience they they throw everything out there yeah. it's insane my, my favorite comment is the one where they're like so when are you going to introduce me to your parents <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah so let's back up a bit right so you started cooking and teaching yourself how to cook in 2017. Mm. Have you had any experience with content creation prior to then? Or was this something that you're just like, you know what? I'm just going to give it a shot because I want to see what I'm capable of doing. Uh, no. I, I was more of whenever we had events or things that could be created into content, right? Things that just people wanted to see, whether it's food, the events that I threw at USC. I never did the content creating part and I was always the coordinator or the cook or whatever, the host. Mm -hmm. um, so during, when I was throwing concerts, I hired my friend as a photographer. Uh, during my dinners, I had two photographers that helped me out with um, editing as well as their photos and just creating content. But I personally have had an interest in it, in creating content, but I never I never wanted to produce it. I always just wanted to understand the process of it. And I think it started with my aunt, who is a photographer and who inspired me to take a photography class in high school. So I kind of learned Photoshop then. And then in college, my last year, when I had some extra time to take extra electives, I took a graphic design class. So that those two classes, as well as just keeping a, a mindful eye for art or content, I think really played a role in eventually what my content is right now. 
Well, oh, that's, that's awesome yeah, to hear. That's so awesome. And just like the quality of your, your content is just so incredible. So to know that you didn't even have a lot of experience prior to you starting TikTok is is very inspirational. It sounds like Steve Jobs story, how he created Apple, right? He like dropped into mm-hmm. a few classes and changes his life. Yeah. The exact same story with each who dropped into a few classes that changes your life. You know, you just <laughs> never know. So like you guys want to venture out your major in college and try new classes? Follow me and you should do it. It's a great, <laughs> it's a great takeaway right now. Yeah. But who's my Wozniak? Oh yeah. My, that, that's the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have one. <laughs> well, we can always look for one on TikTok. We'll look for one later. <laughs> <laughs> so Aisha, when did you kind of have like your first glimpse of like being an entrepreneur? Because we know you started a company called Onyx, um, which was a music events company that hosted silent disco events. Um, but what was like that first taste of entrepreneurship that you got exposed to? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was in Alpha Epsilon Pi, the Jewish fraternity at USC. And a friend of mine was like, hey, you should, you should be president. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, sure, you know, I, I, I guess I would do, you know, I'd be pretty good at it. Who knows? I had zero idea what I was walking into. Um, that was my first taste of being of the entrepreneurial side of myself, as well as running a small business. Mm-hmm. Um, fraternities, well, my fraternity at USC, you have a hundred plus members, you have these parties that can range from ten thousand to twenty five thousand dollar budgets and you are managing just a bunch of like 20 year old men (laughs) you know how stressful that can be um but that that experience definitely solidified as my first entrepreneurial experience and i definitely learned how to run an organization Mm-hmm. make the take the initiative to start what I wanted to do which was I did a couple things like host con or throw the parties for you know, lead the process in organizing a party but also I started Shabbat dinners for my fraternity which wasn't really a thing at USC and what I ended up doing was having these Shabbat dinners and I would invite other people in Greek life and not in Greek life as well and they would just come over to our fraternity house on a Friday night have some nice wine and some food. And that was it. It was a wholesome time to have with in typically, and I guess by reputation, like more chaotic environment, which is a fraternity house. Um, but the entrepreneurial side definitely came out during that time. And I even went as far to say that I wanted to do a second term because I loved it so much, mm-hmm. but I realized I have other things to do long-term big picture goals that were not aligned with being a fraternity president. Mm-hmm. Awesome yeah. To hear. yeah. So talk a little bit about, you know, you teaching yourself how to cook and then hosting these weekly dinners um, out of your apartment for guests. Out of curiosity too, how do you teach yourself how to sharpen a knife so well? Oh yeah. You see that in every single video. <laughs> yeah, that's like the so, one part that is like so ching, cool ching, about ching. your video. <laughs> Um, so I first learned how to cook summer 2017 and I was living alone at USC and USC's food options are notoriously either overpriced or unhealthy. You're right next to Figueroa, which I believe has the most fast food restaurants, Mm -hmm. uh, like per square mile and like in the world, I I think that's a statistic. Um, but forget, um, besides that. I wanted to learn how to cook. I lived alone and I saw Gordon Ramsay's eggs Benedict video on YouTube. And I was like, let me take a stab at this. Why not? I messed up the hollandaise sauce the first time, but I got it down the second time. And I can't honestly, you know, there's like these entrepreneurs that have these, or these people that have these like aha moments. Mm-hmm. I don't have an aha moment from that first time cooking. I, it was so nonchalant to me. It was like, I'm just going to learn how to cook with no intent of anything in the future, but just the present of making myself eggs Benedict, which is also what I love about cooking. Cause I just really forget about everything else. Um, but I don't have like that aha moment of like, I could do cook, cook food for people. It was really just, I'm going to put all my time into reading this recipe 
making it, you know, step by step. And that was it. Yeah. That was, that was completely it. And it snowballed into something completely like I would have never imagined this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but since then I, I was cooking for myself more and more. And then midway during, during my junior year, I saw a documentary on Munchies, um, Vice's like food media company mm-hmm. on a supper club at USC called Paladar, P-A-L-A-D-A-R. Mm-hmm. It's the name refers to in Cuba. There's like a lot of people open their homes to serve food for yeah. the local community. And that's where the term comes from. But it was these two USC guys who every Thursday they would serve appetizer main dessert for $15. Mm-hmm. Um, and it eventually got so big that part of like the documentary and that they kind of focus on the documentary is the fact that the cops were called on them um, <laughs> when they had 60 people like in their apartment just yeah. dining, just yeah. having a good time. Um, I don't know what they're up to now, but I do know that they own Bakari, which is like a small um, mm-hmm. restaurant in LA. I think they have a couple locations, but I think I heard after that. Seeing, awesome. Yeah. 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 Um, so after seeing that video, I was like, let me take a stab at this once again. Taking stabs. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I can say that. <laughs> um, just taking, uh, just attempting it again. I was like, let me just invite. Well, first I started with my roommates. I was like, hey guys, I'm going to make this. And you guys just come down for dinner and that's it. They like the food. They give me feedback. Continued once a week, kept going, kept going until my friend was like, H, I would pay you $25 for this cost. And I'm like, get out of here. Like, it's not that good. <laughs> Um, but you know, sometimes you need that external validation of like, this is good uh-huh. to kind of realize I can maybe do something with this. So I still wasn't taking it seriously, but towards the end of my junior year and most of my senior year, I was doing weekly dinners. I posted the menu on Instagram. I said, Hey, comment how many seats you want. This is how much it is. Mm-hmm. And I would just have people come over. I would, I would fuck up all the time. I like, I would definitely try to do a three course menu and I would be, have my guests waiting for like 10 minutes for like the next dish to come out. Cause I just didn't know how to time everything. Isn't that standard though? <laughs> no, I think about it. It's like between dishes takes a while at other restaurants too. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, it was like an abnormal amount of time that they would just be sitting around just chit chatting, which was fine. Cause they had each other to talk to, but like, as you were starting out too, maybe you were also self-conscious yeah. about like how long they would be waiting. Right. Cause I would personally, if I were in your shoes, I'd be like, Oh yeah. my God, I gotta, I gotta cook faster. I gotta, I gotta put out these dishes. But you seem so aware of everything. That's yeah. the thing yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, it's stressful. I mean, working in the restaurant industry, which I have a little bit of experience in, um, it's high intensity, high, mm-hmm. high speed, you know, it's, yeah. uh, you gotta get the food out perfect every single time. And if you, you mess it up, they send it back and you have to do it over again Yeah. on top of the next orders you have coming in. So, um, but so I did those dinners for most of my uh, senior year Mm -hmm. and I was graduating and I was still kind of looking for jobs because I didn't want to go a corporate job. I already knew that I wanted to do my own thing. Mm And one, I got connected to my boss through some mutual friends. But the other thing was my co-chef was like, Hey, we're going to live in another frat house at USC. Um, <laughs> and he was two years below me. And he was like, do you want to keep running the dinners, the Mari dinners there? And I was like, why not? I'm I just graduated <laughs> school. I don't have anything to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of how the next steps were this one. Also, were you guys going to ask another question? I feel like I'm rambling on. Should I keep? Oh rambling? no, no, we like it. We how, like did, it. how did you come up with the name Maru? And like, when did you decide? Okay, well, we're going to name this Maru and kind of like officially slap on a name to it. So when I when I made it Instagram official, when I was selling, when I was posting my menu on Instagram for my apartment, mm-hmm. I asked my two best friends, like, hey. Um, I want a short name. I want it to be Korean related mm-hmm. and I want it to be easy for basically the white person to say, yeah. I don't want it to be hard for someone who doesn't speak Korean to be able to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were like, Hey, 
there's this club in New York called Maru. Um, why'd you call it that? And I was like, you know, I kind of like that two syllables, nice and short, four letters. Um, and as I looked more into the meaning of Maru, which kind of shows that I'm not the most, I wouldn't say I'm the most Korean in terms of culture and like growing up, I can't speak Korean fluently, but obviously I like have a huge interest in Korean culture because that's my background. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously, (laughs) (laughs) um, but Maru means it translates to wooden floors in Korean, Mm -hmm. but it refers to the wooden floors of a living room in Korean homes Mm -hmm. and the area where people gather for food, for dinner, for games, movies, family discussions. Um, it's actually a very common restaurant name in Korea. Uh, so I've been to, when I went to Korea a couple of years ago, I saw like pizza Maru and like <laughs> Maru, like something else and Maru something else. So, um, I definitely have to think about rebranding later just because of trademarks, but, <laughs> and there's a Maru coffee in LA. Um, but I picked that name because I really liked, I resonated with the fact that my, all department had wooden floors. Um, it was a wooden table and I just wanted people to gather and to have an excuse to have people come over mm-hmm. and I could just waste time from studying. <laughs> That's, yeah. There's so, nothing wrong with that. So I want to transition over to your TikTok career, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're just, we're just so eager to talk about it. <laughs> we want to talk so, about this. Good H-Moon. segue. So, um, so we reached, we just rewatched your Buzzfeed article that got released oh my god really yeah. this year in 2021 congrats on that the article that thank you forever made you extra viral <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i just want to hear more about that experience you know oh, more about like, that like how many videos did you post before then until buzz you picked up um, um so i downloaded tiktok last like march mm-hmm. march 2020 I was living with my aunt, uncle, and cousin. My cousin, she was 16 at the time. She was like always on TikTok. And I was like, some of my friends were on TikTok. And I was like, might as well um, go on TikTok. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, skimming through everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I, this is like a waste of my time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I posted like three food videos and they were, uh, like a fried chicken video and what else? Fried chicken video, a kimchi pasta video, and oh my God, a miso carbonara video. And I was editing through the app. I actually remember sitting down on my bed, um, just editing on my phone, all of these clips. And it was the most difficult thing in the world to like splice these videos together. Um, But I would post a video like with no intent of, anything just to post something and just have something on there mm-hmm. um and then actually my first viral video was not food related mm-hmm. my i was doing a, a pop-up dinner last end of november 2020 mm-hmm. uh in like venice and my friends had just got me a birthday gift and i love to send people i built this habit over COVID of sending people video messages Mm-hmm. I guess kind of like Snapchat, but I just texted to them. I was like, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. This is what I'm doing. I want to hear what you're doing. So I was driving over to this pop-up and I popped my phone on my phone stand in my car. And I was just telling my friends, thank you so much for the birthday present you got me, blah, blah, blah. And on video, I get rear-ended by the car behind me. Um, and <laughs> showed my, so I, <laughs> I went to the pop-up. I was like, God damn it. Like, got rear-ended whatever i'll figure out later finish the pop-up i come back home and i show my roommate who is um side note like he works for a tiktok talent management company uh-huh. i showed him the video and he was like this is fucking hilarious i'm gonna post this right now i'm like all right go for it and it got like half a million views wow. and i was like this is fucking hilarious <laughs> i was like i didn't think that a video of me getting in a car crash and get this much attention or provide such entertainment for people but people like to see me get hurt i have no idea um, oh, no, don't say that. <laughs> but um so that's my first like tiktok experience i would say 
and mm-hmm. going viral. And then I had just received, I just got a new computer and I got Final Cut Pro and I was just, I just got Final Cut Pro because I was like, I just want to have it just in case I'm doing work for my boss and I need to edit like a wedding highlight video or something. Mm-hmm. And one night I just wanted to make myself this American Wagyu steak with potato puree and like Bordelais sauce. And I just filmed every part of it. And I remember starting at 9 p.m. And I didn't finish till like 3 a.m. And I was like, oh, this took so long because I was filming every single uh, angle, whatever. Yeah. But, um, and I also sat on the footage for maybe like two weeks. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually even touch the footage until I sat down one day. And I was like, you know what? Let me just put this together. And I edited the video together with just like nothing on my mind. It was just like, this is my free time. I'm just mm-hmm. going to edit something together. But the intention of, it's funny, there's one clip in the video that says, hey, you're going to watch me cook for myself. Yeah. But the full video says, hey, you're going to watch me cook for myself. I'm not going to teach you how to make any of it because <laughs> you're probably here to just watch me cook and just for entertainment. <laughs> Thank God I didn't leave that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that's what you took Thank out. God. I took out the rest of the bag because I was struggling to fit 40 minutes of footage into one minute. Oh, it's impossible. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So the one part I left, which is, I guess, my tagline now, which is, you're going to watch me cook for myself, mm-hmm. is what's stuck. Yeah. I can send you guys the full clip later. It's I'm literally just like, <laughs> yes. I just look like a dick. I look like an <laughs> asshole. I'm like, you're just. <laughs> but I'm not going to teach you. <laughs> and I was just, yeah, I was like, I'm not going to teach you. But I, the intention was I want to show every single part of the process because yeah. I've always thought that cooking videos were like here, then here, then here. I'm like, uh-huh. what the hell just happened? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know I understand my videos are like that now, <laughs> but like, <laughs> I wanted to show that I was doing it right. Or I was uh-huh. showing every single part and just show someone that like, this is what I'm looking at when I make this dish. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Um, that video went viral. Um, and I was like, oh my God, what am I supposed to do with myself now? Like, <laughs> like, like what am I doing? Um, but I was still going to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, about, I would say a week later, I was like, okay, I got to make another, all right, sorry. A week later, I got an email from Buzzfeed, like, hey, wow. um, can we put your video in a compilation? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, amazing. Sure, yes, please, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I I made a mistake of not talking about usage rights with them, but mm-hmm. I've learned mm-hmm. from them. Yeah. Um, but it was not until like a month and a half later did they actually post not only that first video, but along with two other videos with it, um, that were my later creations. But since then I've just been working and making TikToks and food content. That's, oh, wow. so. I think and That's you're being so too humble about that process right now. <laughs> you grew enormously from that. Yes, <laughs> yes. The interesting thing is like, Everyone always talks about how you have to post three videos a day for you to get viral. And so you you up your your uh, possibility of going viral for at least like one of those three videos. Right. But each mm-hmm. you don't post every single day. You post like once a week or even like less than that. And I think it's because like your videos are so high quality mm-hmm. that every time like someone sees your video comes out, they're just like, Oh my God, like Asia posted a new video, you know? So that just goes yeah. to like how high quality and like how much time you spend. He on also doesn't want to cook every day. Does he? That's true. <laughs> and like most of your recipes take like multiple days to prepare. Yeah. 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 They definitely do. Um, yeah. I didn't want to go the quantity over quality route. Yeah. For mm-hmm. sure. I want to be able to, post content that I am comfortable with. If I were 80 years old, I could watch it and be like, I still like this. Yeah. Um, I've watched my videos a million times. And I'm just <laughs> looking for ways to improve or whatnot. I, love that. Yeah. Um, I mean, on but, that topic, like we definitely see the improvements since like your first videos, your first cooking videos till now. Like how have you 
kind of implemented improvements into your videos and how have you like take notes in the side like yeah how ah, do you track ah, i need yeah. to improve there mm -hmm. <laughs> like how do you track and measure your um apis well at least in terms of the creative side mm -hmm. uh i i i don't just want to make dishes for my intent is to not make a dish that's easy for everyone to be honest um I want it to be like, I want to be very thorough in my recipe and to explain that anyone can make it, but I understand that a lot of my dishes are just not very approachable. Mm -hmm. And that's strictly because these are things that I'm interested in. And that's the reason why I started cooking was because I was not the reason why I got better at cooking, I think was because I was more interested in these dishes at restaurants that I couldn't have at home. Yeah. I think one of my like, the moment one of the times i made bao buns with pork belly mm -hmm. back in college i was like oh my god like i can't believe i made this mm -hmm. like this is something that i go to a restaurant for yeah like no one makes this at home like who the hell makes yeah pork belly bao buns at home no one knows from bao buns from scratch uh -huh. um and those kinds of moments that i've had with cooking i've that's what i just keep going for i want to make food that i'm just happy with Mm -hmm. for myself improvements wise um i'm definitely trying to just stick with dishes that i like and as i have more time i want to be able to create dishes that i, I don't want to just post dishes that are replicate i mean everything's replicable but like there's definitely i feel like there's a personality to each one of my dishes like yeah. it mm -hmm. just is a dish that i would make um, but I also want to be able to show people that I am a self-taught person. And this is like, this is what I learned to make on my own from the internet. The internet's my greatest teacher. Mm. Um, so I'm, ho I'm hope in terms of improving, I started posting the recipe as my caption, which did not work out. <laughs> and then now I make graphics so I can like write out the recipe in detail for people. And I've seen people, you know, people post on their stories, like the dish they made for my recipe. And I'm touched because I'm like, wow, like, people yeah. are actually trying to make this stuff. And I was like, that's awesome. insane. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like that's kind of a proof of some improvement in terms of my communication and what I'm making towards the end consumer. Um, in terms of content, like the actual videos, I've realized that there's a lot of people that do a pretty similar style video to me. Yeah. And the only way that I would ever be able to differentiate myself as well as just feel better about myself is mm -hmm. to just have my personality in my videos. So yeah, kind of taking the it's alive from Bon Appetit approach where there's, I don't know if you guys know, Brad Leone and um, Vinny, the cameraman, mm -hmm. the cameraman kind of has a voice and everything. So in my videos now and the recent ones i've always had these little i guess clever comments throughout the video kind of commenting on what's going on which is also my voice and my personality within the video mm -hmm. but a lot of times if i if i mess up something while i'm cooking um i think my last video like drop rice in the sink like mm -hmm. i'll show it like that's just like mm -hmm. yeah what happens when i'm cooking yeah. not show all of the mistakes that i think are just i guess more human in terms yeah of like when you're watching it you're like this guy's not just some robot that makes these dishes he like makes mistakes <laughs> and has humor or personality right. um so i'm definitely trying to maintain that side of who i am in my videos about just being this cold cuts fast cut video yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's, that's super important to maintain who you are and your personality in your videos too because yeah, I think it's a form of flattery, to be honest, when people copy your style and we see that, we're like, oh, that's totally h style, you know? <laughs> and I think, I think the crazy thing is like how fast you catch it. Because every time that we see the video, we see your comment. Great job. You know, catches this on fast, you know? Um, so out of curiosity too, like we realized that like, your Instagram is also growing at a very um, fast pace. How do you direct your TikTok traffic over to your Instagram? I just write at the end of my videos, full recipe is my Instagram, but I don't want to be like, 
please go follow my Instagram because yeah. mm-hmm. they'll, they'll go follow if they want to. Um, yeah. They know where to go, which is you open the Instagram app, you type in <laughs> H Wooly, and like, that's it. Like, like I, that, I, I don't want to be some like, please go follow my Instagram. I don't care. Like, yeah, I'll yeah. organically grow. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I like the mentality. Yeah, that's a really yeah. good mentality. And so, how do you determine like what? type of people on TikTok and what type of creators you want to partner up with? Because you got, you recently did a collaboration with yeah. other chefs as well, um, which yeah. is a really cool video. Uh, listeners should definitely go check it out. And so how do you kind of determine like who you want to partner up how with? How do you like initiate that too? Yeah. Hey, I like so, you. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick reached out to me. Wow. Um, and he said, let's do a TikTok collab. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, he reached out to me to do a video and I was like, fantastic. And then he said, let's bring on um, the third guy. And I said, I'm good. I'm happy to do whatever. Mm-hmm. But since that video, I've reached out to four other people now. And oh. I've said, I actually just got off the phone with a uh, the Moody Foodie, Fabrizio mm. Villapando. Villapando, I can't pronounce his name. Um, <laughs> no, he said it, he said, Villapando, Villapando, <laughs> Mexican. Um, but I reached out to him just saying, hey, I'm just gonna shoot my shot. I mm. really like your content. I would love to do something with you. And mind you, these are all food content creators. Um, I haven't reached out to anyone that doesn't do food, um, mm. but maybe I will, who knows? Um, but I reached out saying, Hey, I like your stuff. I would love to just one, get to know you. Mm-hmm. And then two, would you possibly want to do a collaboration video? So I've done, I mean, I'm working right now. I'm working on one, two, three, I'm working with three people right now. And the fourth one, we just like spoke the other day about mm-hmm. doing a collaboration video, but I don't, I, at least now that I'm learning about the food content creation space or content creator space mm-hmm. collaborations don't hurt anybody yeah. like collaborations can only help in terms of your viewers get different content you might get a different crowd mm-hmm. um and when there's collaborations there's two different minds working together so there's definitely more creativity in terms of what you guys can do so I've always just wanted to meet other people in this space since I'm so new to this space. And I think collaborations are my way of asking people, Hey, you want to FaceTime and see what we can do. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really awesome. I love how you just did your first collaboration and then now you kind of like know how easy it is. Right. And just kind of like opening the door for even more collaborations in the future. You're growing in front of our eyes every day so quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're huge, we're huge uh, fans, you know, yeah. like we've been following you for a while. And then, you know, when you reached out to us, like Maggie was like, <gasps> H-woo! H-woo! oh my God. Exactly how she says it too. I was yeah. like, oh, you're going to include me in the meeting, right? I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Oh my God. So Wait, Maggie, how come you didn't like follow me or reach out to me? <laughs> oh, because, um, Brian was like super active on Clubhouse. I saw your name immediately. More than I was. And so (laughs) he saw you in one of the rooms. And yeah, I was like, yeah, because Brian has like a bunch of followers on Clubhouse. And we were talking about like, who's going to get connected with you first? And I was like, you're probably going to get connected with you two first. (laughs) No, I saw you join our club and I, I follow you immediately. Like within like 10 seconds. Yes, no, yeah. I followed you immediately too. <laughs> but Brian just had the connection first. <laughs> yeah. Who I don't know. I saw I saw someone. I don't know if I joined a, a room or if I just saw someone's badge at the bottom of their profile mm-hmm. with the AHN badge. Um, I forget who. Um, but that's why it was either in a room or I just found out from someone's profile with their badge on it. But yeah. The rest is history. Yeah, the rest is history. Yeah. I love it. How did, um, do you think like TikTok kind of changed your life in a way? And if so, how? Did it change your wife? I mean, your wife. Did it change your life? <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was thinking, obviously thinking about something else. But <laughs> did it change your life in terms of like how you view yourself, your self-esteem, um, your business sense, and potentially dating because 
there's hundreds and hundreds of girls that comment on your every video. <laughs> so how, how's that changed for you? Um, I don't think I've changed much as a person. I really don't. I think I'm just still, what I wanted to do was cook. And then when COVID hit, I had to stop doing my dinners and I have a great relationship with my boss. So I just worked with my boss and my intention was to open up my stuff to public and after COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as a person, I really don't think I've changed much. I'm just doing something different now. Um, and if anything, it's just given me more encouragement to do what I love, which is looking for people, which is kind of the opposite of what my videos are, but mm-hmm. I much, I much rather prefer, you know, cooking for a group of people and just conversating and getting to know them after the dinner. That's my favorite part of what I was doing back, um, pre COVID for my supper club. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely given me a platform to just show what I can do and what I can provide for the world. Mm-hmm. And this is me and take it or leave it. And that's it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, on like the business side of things, right. Cause I always have to keep that in mind because I don't know. Um, like it's a platform where I essentially have free marketing or marketing that I worked on to acquire so that when I do want to start my supper club again, which is, which will be soon, I think, in the near future, um, as well as what other, any other ventures that I want to go into, I definitely think it's incredibly advantageous and I'm just lucky to have um, the help with whatever else I want to do later. I love that, Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. And very excited to hear more about your Can't wait to try when you're open again. Yeah, after we open, <laughs> we'll definitely come try when we come down to SoCal. Absolutely. <laughs> also, one thing I remember, yes. I remember in the car, I was driving to work one day after, I think a couple of my videos, uh-huh. and I was, I was driving to work and I was like, you've always, like, you've never wanted to do social media stuff. You were uh-huh. like, why, why are you doing this? And then I remember just yelling in the car, <laughs> you're doing this for free marketing. Just <laughs> do it. Like, just do yeah. it. Free marketing, free yeah. marketing. I just yelled free marketing. Um, but then I was like free marketing to eventually do what I think is more meaningful. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember yelling free marketing for maybe like <laughs> 30 seconds. Free marketing. <laughs> I'm just like envisioning that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like I like that a lot, too. So besides reopening Supper Club um, after COVID, what are your goals for 2021? Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely want to, one, open the Supper Club. Mm -hmm. Two, I don't know if I can share this on a podcast. I have a long form content series that I'm working on with a, a music company. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been into electronic house and techno music. Nice. And um, that's a project that I'm working on that I um, want to see succeed in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just solidifying my space in the YouTube, well, YouTube are all social media platforms, but mostly YouTube mm-hmm. is to feel like that I have a comfortable portfolio on YouTube where, um, and basically I'm just comfortable with it. There's no like benchmark to it. Mm-hmm. And I know that most people are like, oh, you should have like, you should try to plan out everything. Um, but I know myself and myself is I always, I'm, I'm hypercritical on myself. And it's sometimes how I get things done. But also I know that if I, um, like, if I, it, like I, it, sometimes I will go to the extreme to get stuff done and it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. So I know that when I do these uh, social media things and having to, you know, like put out content there, I just, I want myself to be comfortable with it. There's no, I need X amount of videos or I need this amount of followers or subscribers. It's, 
am I happy with what I'm presenting to the world on YouTube and these mm -hmm. platforms? Yep. Um, and I, I obviously have like a rough number in my head or like I have like an idea of how much I want to produce, but mm -hmm. it's not this hard, but this is your deadline because I know in the past I've done that and it's mm -hmm. not the healthiest thing, although it gets stuff done, but yeah. I care about my health. Yeah, absolutely. Mental health is very important. <laughs> <laughs> yes, red wine is good. You you definitely do need a glass of red wine every once in a while to stay healthy. <laughs> you do. Yes. So we have one more question for you, but I might ask like a bonus question later on. So our one last That's question what is, what one advice could you give to an aspiring entrepreneur? Or just starting out like yourself. Yeah. What would you tell yourself when you first started out? Yeah. I don't know. Well, before I answer this, like I never, um, I think for most of my life, I was, I had very low self-confidence and I just always did what I was told in, in a type of way. I was, you know, working towards these grades. I was working towards going to med school. I was working towards X, Y, and Z. And then when I had the first opportunity to be president of my fraternity, there was, I felt like, the style was the limit. I mean, like I could do whatever I wanted, mm -hmm. even if I didn't have the funds, I would figure out how to find the funds. Even if I didn't have the resources, I reached out to people said, Hey, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? Just whatever it was. Um, but I think, and this is not like a general advice for every entrepreneur, but I, the reason why I quit, I dropped pre-med was because I learned how to ask for help. Mm. Um, I think learning to ask for help is very important, at least in my life, because I never really did when I was younger. I had my first tutor when I was like a junior in high school, because I never wanted to have a tutor, because I felt guilty of like my parents paying for a tutor. But mm -hmm. um, learning to ask for help is important because I never knew, I never experienced how helpful that people want to be towards whatever I was doing. I think part of that was having low self-confidence and thinking that why would someone want to help me? But people are good out there. And if you just ask for help, they'll help you and just make sure you pay them back. Mm -hmm. That's really it. So mm -hmm. I think whatever I have done, I've always had a lot of help from people and I'm very grateful for what they've given me. I love that. That's really good advice, yeah. So. Thank you, Atru. Um, okay, so yeah. I have one bonus question for you, which I like personally just wanted to know out of my curiosity, what was the best dish that you have ever made? And can you explain in detail what was included in that dish? Yeah, I've done this question so many times. <laughs> and I never have a good answer. Oh, okay. <laughs> you don't um, have one dish? He's a master chef, by the way. <laughs> okay, you're right. You have too many options. I think um, one of the dishes that we served at our supper club um, was well, there's so many. Which one? There's a dish we started with. We call just the crispy rice duo. Um, it's two pieces of crispy rice. Do you want me to go into detail of like how the rice is made? If you want to, yeah. Help, help us visualize it. Yeah. Um, yeah we'll so basically, <laughs> one. Yeah. lightning round, lightning round. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I see most crispy rice restaurants and it's like a blob or it's like a circle or it's like some of them are like a nice, you know, tight square or like rectangle. And I'm like, I don't want to have like a, like a, a lazy like cylinder of rice like under your spicy tuna um so i mean i made sushi rice and i would pack it into a tray and then you throw it in the fridge and then you deep fry it and it's fantastic and cut, you cut into cubes so it's perfect um but one it's two pieces of crisp rice it's the first course on our menu one of them has uh there's a korean hot sauce for when you eat seafood called chokochujang which is like a seasoned uh like red pepper mm -hmm. paste um, with like garlic, oil, honey, 
whatever. And then you add QP mayo, like Japanese mayo. Um, and then for our dinners, we have a, I usually use a whole yellowtail filet. And so like part of it is for another dish, but the tail end I use for like a tartare, like you just cut it up. So it's like, mm. like spicy tuna, like in yeah. terms of like tiny cubes, but I hate how spicy tuna is like shreds. I want to be able to like bite a tiny cube. I don't want uh -huh. shreds of fish. So um, there's cubes of yellowtail tossed in this sauce on top of crispy rice with jalapeno on top. And then the other one, the other crispy rice, which I'm much more proud of, um, I love uni. Mm. Uni is one of my favorite things. Yeah. Uh, and underneath it has a sauce of Parmesan cream and soy butter. Um, and I kind of learned that from when I was at, when I was interning at a restaurant called Cato in mm. LA, they do like an uni soy butter Parmesan cream. It's like a tapioca, um, crispy tapioca, kind of like crispy, like, but those two, those two crispy rice starters, I think was my personal favorite in terms of when you start off the dinner, you have these two items. You're like, this one seems a little similar to a spicy tuna crispy rice, the yellow one. Mm. And the uni one is like, I don't think I've ever had something like this before. Cause I've never had anything like that before. So it kind of set the tone of the dinner. Mm, um, delicious. That was way longer than a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so one minute, 30, 34 seconds. That was, <laughs> just kidding. That sounded really good. Yeah, it sounds yeah. really, really good. <laughs> awesome. So how can our listeners find out more about you online, Atru? Um, on all social media platforms as at atru.li on Clubhouse. I'm just at atru. Uh, and atru is just H-W-O-O. And I know there's a lot of people that are like, how do you say your name? Is it Hu? No, it's <laughs> H Wu. I just can't put a space in handles. I wish I could put a space there. Um, and then YouTube, I believe it's just C slash H Wu Lee. I, I don't know the URL for it. Okay, we'll um, look it up and we'll include it yeah. in the notes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for your time tonight, H Wu. Yeah, we appreciate thank all the you guys put out and all the content and this podcast too. Like it's great hearing from you and learning from you. And I don't know if this is right, but this is the first podcast to record ever. It is my second, technically. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's my first. Solo. <laughs> it's, it's my first solo podcast. Oh, okay. okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Solo. My first solo podcast. All right. Um, you, you heard it here first. H2's first solo podcast. Exactly. <laughs> Clean that credit forever. <laughs> awesome. Well, it was awesome hearing your story today, H2. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate your time. Hey, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.